0: We've got a doggo here, hot and heavy, breathing all over, very stinky breath. (laughs) That's what you may have just heard is the panting sound. Um, So I'm choosing the worst time to sit outside at my little nook uh, where I have little seats to sit. And that's because the sun is coming right up over the RV and it still hasn't cleared the roof of my shelter yet, so it's this beam hitting right in the face. I have a trucker hat, and I'm skimming it to the side like a b-boy, and I think that's kind (laughs) of working The flies out here are, they're the same as they would be in the city, they're not necessarily worse, but I think um, they do get very excited about a source of dog food and a source of pet water And so they kind of seem worse. The solution I've come up with is to place one of those horrible fly traps that they go in, but they can't get out, you know, and they smell like some dead animal near the food and water area. seems to be working. However, the smell has dissipated if I pour water, if I just add more water to the existing packet, the old packet, and the one inch thick layer of dead flies from before i've done that twice now and it's still working they're still going in there so there's no odor anymore so that's a little trick that i accidentally discovered if you want to call that a life hack (laughs) i'm sitting in front of a couple of the vines at the southwest corner of my shelter and i'm noticing that they've grown six or eight inches since I last sat here and checked them. And that's beautiful. The, what's called a leaf cutter bee has attacked. It will continues to attack. (laughs) So that's kind of disappointing, but I get the sense that plants can, or either either the plants can handle it or the bee itself knows when to stop so that they don't completely destroy the lifeblood of the plant. But that's really beautiful to see. I'd really like to see that trellis covered. And now it is reaching halfway up the trellis. I made the trellis probably about, I want to say nine feet tall. And so four and a half feet. Hey, come here. I've got the dog on the extendo leash cable thing. And I have to kind of keep an eye on her. Hi. Hi. Yes. Hello. She's doing great, by the way. Um, We've been training her and she is amazing. She's so much better. I've learned how to handle her. And the main trick is not just leaving her to roam. It's staying aware of where she is and telling her I can just say, hey, and she'll come right back. Um, so that's really amazing when what, we walked over to the boyfriend's house a couple of days ago and I let her off leash and just kept an eye on her. And every time she started to get a little too far away, I just said, Hey, and she would, st- she would slow down immediately and she would kind of look back at me a few times and she would stay within range and it was really impressive. So she's really learning. Thank God she's turning into a real dog instead of a, I don't know, terror, terrorizer. <laughs> so, um, That's good. And at some point, I'd like to be able to take her off leash entirely around the compound. But the problem is that she just absolutely loves the boyfriend. She is just in total infatuation mode with him. And so she will run over to his house, which means I am no longer protected. Not that I really need to be. It's pretty peaceful out here. But, you know, that's kind of her purpose. So I want her around. Right? Yes, I do. Stinky breath and um <laughs> and um, so while I'm at my place, she has to stay on her zip line, and it just so happens i just just so happened to have followed Texas law without even knowing that it the law existed. It turns out Texas law is that you have to have the dog on a moving like a zip line where she can move back and forth as well as side to side in kind of a wide you know, range. You can't tie an animal, a dog up to a fixed post, it turns out. And so that's great. I mean, I already didn't want to do that because I wanted her to have some freedom of movement within the confines that I was going to be placing her. But I just accidentally did that correctly. I've had to replace the zipline a few times. I think I've talked about that. <clears throat> but uh, it's it's been worth it. It's It's pretty good to have. She gets tangled in it because she's a little bit of a dummy sometimes about that, but it's not really that big of a deal. What, what do you want? Calm down. You're fine. <laughs> um, so something that I did with plants this uh, last week that was different than I did last time, I did it with strawberries and willows. I ordered another batch of about maybe, I think what I got, I ended up with was about maybe between 10 and 15 willows. And these are the hybrid willows. And, um, I also bought a batch of like, I don't know, something like 25 strawberry plants. These are everbearing and cold hardy. And they, um, the last time I purchased both of these types of plants, I had kept them in the green or, well, the willows I'd kept in my camper for weeks and weeks in a bag of water. And then I moved them out to the greenhouse into a bucket of water. And that really ended up being me just not reading the instructions. So this time, and they all died, I ended up planting them into a pot and they all pretty much two of them lived. And then one of them I was able to actually plant out at the pond. But, of course, there was – I'll talk about this in a minute, but the rain situation. Hey, you're fine. Knock it off. Calm down. No, no, no. You don't get – you don't need attention continually to be okay. Come on. Sit down. Just calm down. Sit. Hey, sit. Okay. Good girl. Stay. So anyway, that died, of course. Um, (laughs) So that was just a big failure basically, but it was a learning experience, right? So – what I learned was this time I actually, you know, I really checked the directions right away as soon as I got it, which is kind of a no brainer, but you know, um, that was obvious. And then, uh, I looked at it and it said that you can keep the willows in water for a few days, like 48 hours or something, which to me, it didn't say what to do, but I mean, that means you need to plant them. So I went and just put, potted them up in like four inch pots. So they're in the greenhouse now. Hey, hey. Um, and they are in their own little pots and the pots that I used are the ones that I got from the nursery up North and they're not really that good. For some reason, they don't really like fill with water. Like, so the bottoms don't get wet when you water them. It's kind of scary actually, because that means the roots are dry. So a lot of the vegetable starts came in those pots and they didn't really look so good. And I, granted, I left them in their pots way too long. Hey, come here. Come here. Hey. Hey. She keeps doing this and being a disturbance to the podcast. I'm going to have to put her back on her short one. Putting you back on your short one. Come here. Come on, buddy. <clears throat> so what I did with those those pots is I set them in a tray of like, that I actually filled with water, you know, like a few inches of water in the greenhouse. And the tray was the sort of like moisture capturing lid um, that's original purpose was the lid of the um seed tray that I hit that I I've been using to propagate and I just decided to make it into like a the bottom tray and it's not very sturdy but it worked and what happened was I came in there the next time the next day and the tray had worked to allow the pots to soak water up from the bottom so that the willows were correctly hydrated. So that worked and I'm gonna kinda keep using that method. Um, dragonfly. Um, just to kind of observe those willows. They have good root systems. All but one of them had developed roots in the couple days that I had them in water. So this time I'm gonna just try again. And one thing I'm noticing about the wetland is that it is supporting grass species. There's two grass plants that have come up in the wetland. And I would only assume that's because there's water, there's moisture that has started to reach up high enough to actually be able to support plant life. I will say though that there are these grass plants sprouting up in various places around my property where I have done earthworks sufficient enough to hold water in the soil in those places. So, so some of the swale areas, um, not so much the swales really, but definitely the pond. I I should call it the check dam really. Um, There's grasses growing around the pond and they're still growing. And this is what I wanted to mention when I mentioned earlier, it's what I want to talk about a little bit. There were two rain events between the last episode and now that missed my property. <laughs> Literally one of them, I was standing over at my boyfriend's house and we were watching this amazing rainstorm pass through this area and you could see the huge rainstorm moving and you, know, you could just see it. It was moving pretty fast actually and it looked like it was along the, the um, base of the mountains to the north and it just skipped my property completely. And the same thing with the one before, we we didn't get to watch it like that, but A lot of places around got a lot of rain, including my boyfriend's house. Um, And when I was walking over to his house that uh, evening before the storm hit, it was starting to kind of sprinkle. I was sitting there going, Yes, bring more rain, you know, thank you, rain, puddles, rivers, creeks, streams, floods. You know, I was actually trying to invoke, you know, and bring down the rain and get a good rainstorm. But interestingly, I was doing that as I was walking to his house and he, he got puddles. He got what I was asking for. My place got skipped entirely. It was completely dry when I got back. So I was super bummed because I had just gotten a bunch of earthworks done, um, on one of the mornings that I actually took, you know, I got up really early, Ah, excuse me, and, uh, got work done in the early morning when it wasn't hot. I had gotten this whole big desertified patch of my land to the north in between my driveway and where we're going to do the B&B, um, set up in the camping. And I say we, because I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but anyway, uh, so the rain skipped me twice and I'm kind of like, okay, that's it. And I bought the stuff. I ordered the stuff and I came up with a design for the frame instead of buying, um, something that would be makeshift. I'm going to build a really sturdy frame that's um, going to hold all the things that I've purchased. They haven't arrived yet. I've ordered them. But um, I'm going to build a rainmaking machine. So that's exciting, is, is all get out. No, you're fine. Chill. You can't behave on a long one. You're going to be on a short one. <laughs> I hope you guys get to hear her do her roo roo roo. Oh, (laughs) there it is. She's just like, but I, I'm a teenager and I don't want to clean my room. Um, so I'm going to make this machine and I'm going to set it up in a way that it kind of keeps it hidden from, um, you know, aerial surveillance because it's kind of a thought crime manifested device. It's, um, you know the powers that think that they deserve to be in power and keep us all under their thumb and hold us down and milk us dry um uh they don't want this kind of independence and and um in particular i don't think that they want um hydrated land hey come here hey um my view is that they are desertifying on purpose um as a as a terraforming uh, project. So, and I have a book that I'll be publishing about that at some point when I have time. So I'll keep you posted on that. But anyway, so I'm going to have to see about how I'm going to set this up. One of my friends that I made here was sent me this really interesting link about like this type of fabric you can get that is, it's like an invisibility cloak. And, um, you know, there's also like I could put it under a tent maybe or something, but I'll have to think of something. I, I probably won't go to that length, but I am concerned about it. <clears throat> there were some idiot uh, campers or no, I think they were like B&B guests or something. They were droning the road when I was walking the other day and I just flipped them off and they backed off. It was just like, you know, get a clue. You know, people don't want you droning over their property, you idiot, you know. So I it, it pissed me off kind of, you know. I didn't, I didn't really mind flipping them off because I believe that people should express themselves in a, you know, nonviolent manner, but just like, you know, these, some of these people just don't have a clue and they just treat other people really badly. And they, you know, somebody needs to talk to them. So anyway, that was my little rant, but, uh, yeah, they backed off right away and I uh, went over to the B and B where they were staying and like hovered over, they kept their drone over their B and B after that. <laughs> Damn straight. But anyway, um, you know, there's, there's idiots, there's military, there's, you know, whatever. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to try to figure out that out, but I'm going to do it. I've been thinking about it for several years now. And I knew that I was going to do it on this land at some point, but because I was skipped twice by two rainstorms, I decided to pull the trigger. So pretty excited. It's going to be really exciting to see what happens. So hopefully, I build it in a way that's functional, and I'm basically just reverse engineering it from some photographs I was able to find by scouring the internet. The PhD uh, who is working directly with the plans and has uh, actually been hired around the world to bring the device and utilize the device for uh, clients including um, the governments of countries Uh, And has successfully used it to not only bring rain, but to restore the natural rain regime to an area. That's why this device is so important. Um, Very desertified regions have shown satellite proof of like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Intermittent uh, ephemeral ponds showing up in the fucking desert, like Sahara level desert. So this, this device is, is legit. Um, he and I corresponded because I, wanted, I asked him, you know, where, where are the plans? Is it in this book you're selling? You know, yada, yada. I had bought one of his books thinking that that's what it contained and it didn't. And I, you know, contacted him and emailed him. And he was very like, you know, stern and like, you know, you don't, you know, this is not something that I'm willing to share because, you know, it could be, it could be used incorrectly and, and cause problems and yada, yada. And, he, and he's like, you know, read this article. And I went and read his article. And hes it was like this very long article. If I had printed it out, it probably would have been at least half as tall as my shelter. <laughs> and I think I've got like a 13 to 15 foot tall shelter. So it was like this incredibly long thing. And it was all about how, you know, so you think you want to do this? And, you know, here's why you shouldn't. <laughs> so he just was not forthcoming with any information. I couldn't find any plans anywhere. And so I went and I just hunted and hunted and hunted until I finally found enough I finally found one photograph. I found multiple photographs, but they were all kind of not really helpful. But I finally found one that actually showed all the parts of the machine in the same photograph. And I was able to confirm what I was beginning to think, you know, how you make it. So, I'm going to just do it, but I'm going to make my own version of the stand because the stand I, you know, I'm not set up to weld yet. I haven't just been lazy. And it's been hot, yada yada, whiny whiny procrastination. <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to do it out of wood and it's going to be fine. I'm sure. So I'll, I'll tinker with it. I'll try it, see if it works. If it doesn't, I'll, you know, adjust, modify, but I know the basic design. I know exactly what needs to happen. Um, and so I'll definitely keep you posted as to how that progresses and what the results are. Um, because my intention is to bring more rain to this area. So that's exciting. Um, I've got my little garden going, my little vegetable garden, and I—they um, are surviving. I experimented the other day with watering, with starting to water every other day rather than every day, and the vegetable garden looked fine. But a few of the plants in other spots, particularly the blackberry at the um, south, ah, fly, ah, leave me alone. And it was a gnat. Particularly at the southeast corner where I have a blackberry that I brought with me from Altadena um, and I've kept alive this whole time, that started to look wilted. And so that showed me that that's not enough water, not enough water frequency, particularly for that new, you know, it's newly planted, so it, it probably needs more support. And it's also not under burlap um, like the garden is. And then actually the, some of the squash plants to the northwest corner, bed, those actually start to look a little bit wilty at the end of the day. So I went ahead and just watered everything. So I think, um, I'm not, well, I know I'm not ready to get drip irrigation installed because I don't have all my beds set up. And to me, it makes more sense to know where the plants are going to be before you do it. So I'm fine hand watering. If you can believe that, I know it's probably sounds like crazy talk to some people. Um, but i i like watering i like interacting with my plants on a daily basis it helps me check their well-being and i just like looking at them and you know uh getting a sense of what their needs are and it's it's a good thing so i don't mind it it it's getting to be longer and longer time it involved and further walking um you know involved there is a hose over on the there's a, I have a spigot installed and a, and a hose over on the um, east side of my property, so I can definitely use that, but it involves getting a key because I've actually put a lock on the faucet there. So I'm just lazy, so I end up just using a few like filled um, watering cans to do those two plants. There's a trumpet vine on the north corner, and there's uh, the blackberry on the south corner. So... What I need to do is really get out my pneumatic digging tool and, or maybe just do it by hand. But I mean, that's why I bought the thing. So I might as well use it. Uh, It's a air gun powered or not an air gun. It's a air compressor powered um, digging tool with all these attachments for like removing tile and whatever. And uh, I probably should just whip that out and get that set up. And then I can really just get in there and dig all these beds. I'm doing recessed in ground beds where they're actually down below the surface of the ground so that they not only capture water, uh, if there is any rain, but they also mainly really are just having a little bit of a windbreak and a shade shelter. It's they're not super super far down. They're maybe like four inches down or something. Once you get all the you know materials set up and the plants installed, but I think it does make a difference um, to me. It's never made any sense whatsoever why you know planting beds are always con convex. It's just it's you know like that's a water shedding shape. So why wouldn't you want the beds to be concave where they capture water? <laughs> You know, I mean, is it just me or, you know, like, so, um, anyway, yeah. So that's something I'm observing and the, the pine trees look fantastic. Uh, they, I didn't water them yesterday. I will definitely water them today. I think I gave them a two day break in between waterings, um, but they're just doing great. So that's good. Um, I have reorganized the greenhouse and it's all just really propagation at this point which feels really good to have I do have a, a couple of tree collards in there they're huge uh, if they were to be stretched all the way out they'd be taller than me by far um, and I've had those for quite a while now um, I had them actually for I think at least a year or two probably two years in Altadena so I'm keeping those in the greenhouse because I haven't taken the time to actually look and see what they can handle. But I figure that they're probably not going to do too well outside when it freezes and stuff. So and maybe even in the heat. So I'm just kind of keeping them in the greenhouse. They're food plants. I don't eat them currently. That's uh, something I want to kind of work on. I want to transplant them into, you know, uh, just changing out the soil, giving them much more rich amendments so that they can, you know, just kind of like I think when you have potted plants, it's good to keep up with that um, to change out the soil every so often. And I'd like to get, uh, I need to propagate my perennial broccoli, which is actually a cauliflower. (laughs) I don't know why they call it perennial broccoli, maybe because that's what it technically is, but it ends up creating, it produces this white cauliflower like, um, flower. Right. And it, and when I say flower, it's like, looks like a cauliflower, not like a flower flower, you know, like a broccoli or a cauliflower, like a crucifer, you know, quote unquote flower that you eat. Um, but I have a bunch of seeds for that. Um, unfortunately, on the seed front, I ordered a cement mixer that arrived about a week ago, and it arrived with, it's all in parts, and all of the hardware is not labeled. So there's no way to correlate the very detailed diagram and the um, list of parts with the actual parts. And I've called support once, um, and they, the lady was actually rude. She was the team leader that day. So there was no supervisor. She was actually really kind of like a terrible customer service. (laughs) Go figure. Imagine that um, person and should not have been in that field in my view because she was kind of like acting um, cocky and haughty and basically insinuating that I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, but I had to keep repeating myself, like, no, I do have the correct manual that came with it and um, you know, the manual that you're 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 saying, you know, quoting from isn't the same manual that I'm that I have in front of me and you know, just like she just yeah. But anyway, so that didn't go anywhere, but she did give me the email address of support, which I emailed and they, you know, send the oh they'll get back to me and they never did. So I'm I'm I might have to return this thing, um, which sucks. But I was hoping to use that to coat my seeds, so just another setback. I told my boyfriend about this and he was just like, what you paid what for that? Oh my God, I can get you one for a third of that here. So we'll see if that actually happens. Um, I think with this area, what needs to be done in order to make things happen is to kind of like be the one to make it happen. So I would have to ask a pointed question and bring it up again and be like, so when can you, when can this actually happen? Cause I, definitely want this. Um, I definitely want to do this and I don't just want to like talk about it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, that would be great, but let's, let's make it happen today. And, um, so hey, hey, no, 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 no. Do not destroy that. It's like having a child. Um, no, hey, hey, hey. Oh boy. She has her mouth on a, uh, planter pot that. You're not supposed to rip apart. Goober, it's a beautiful pot. We're going to put it up on the table and you're going to leave it alone and be bored. Um so anyway, once the mixer is um in place, whichever mixer I'm going to end up with, um I'm going to I think use it to make make my seed bombs and I think what I'll do to solve the issue of it's, um, if you put seeds in it, it's going to basically coat individual seeds, which isn't what I want. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I'm going to make little miniature seed balls and then I'm going to coat those. I think that's how I'm going to do it. So, because I have a ton of seeds to get out into the property, and, um, you know, the sooner the better. And the seed uh, coatings will actually protect them. There's a bunch of stuff I ordered, in- including bittern, and it hasn't arrived yet. So, um, I'm trying to go with Masanobu Fukuoka's recipe. Uh, there's some things I can't find, but I did find star anise, and I'm going to grind that up and put it in there. I don't think you need to have all the medicinal herbs that he's recommending. And in fact, there's a asterisk in the book that I think the editors put in there or something that said that um, you don't need to add these these other things to the the seed bombs um, for them to work. And they they've used them successfully without those ad- additives in desertified areas of and africa etc i think that the thing about the additives is that it helps protect the bombs the seeds in the bombs for from insect you know insects that are going to get in there and bore in there and get the seeds um so there's like a lower rate of success without that stuff but i was able to get one of them one of the herbs and that's the star anise it was quite expensive but i'll you know that's it's worth it and then Ooh. no and then um, the bittern I ordered and I don't, it wasn't clear to me whether the bittern was supposed to be separately. Like it's a separate thing from like this, Oh, what did he call it? Some kind of gel. I forget now. Um, or if it was the gel comes from the bittern. I I really didn't understand that part, but I've got everything else I need to do the bombs and I'm going to be using my native bentonite to build them, which is really exciting. So I'm stalled on that for now. But there's lots of other things that I could be doing, of course. Um, So I didn't finish talking about the strawberries. They immediately the very next day started turning green. So I know that this was the right thing to do was to get them in the get them potted. You know, I didn't put them in the ground. I put them in pots, but to get them potted up instead of sitting in this bag of water. And I, you know, I am not like a you know, I was never trained in horticulture, um, or any kind of formal gardening. I've always, I'm a designer. It's, you know, I understand plants, but I don't work on the cultivation aspect of those plants. I work on, you know, where, where does the right plant go and creating communities of plants, but the actual planting of those plants, you know, professionally at least is, you know, I can do it and I've done it absolutely before, but it's, you know, and I know how to do that so that they all survive. But in terms of like, the nits, you know, nitty gritty of horticulture in terms of propagation stuff like that. I really, I'm just learning, you know, through doing it. So, um, I did, you know, I think part of it too was just laziness and, um, being overwhelmed the last time. So I killed like 25 strawberry plants last time. (laughs) This time though, they're all great. They're all really happy. They're green. They're putting out, um, you know, more leaves and they're standing upright. And so I'm going to have a ton of strawberries. Yay. And, uh, so yeah. And I've got my, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have watermelons. I'm going to have squash, peppers, and you know, hopefully my tomatoes will do okay. My greens, um, my cauliflower and broccoli, they're all doing fine. They're small. I did get them in the ground kind of late of course. And they did suffer in those little pots in the greenhouse way too long. So, you know, there's, their performance is probably going to be hindered, but they all look, they're alive and they're healthy, you know, looking. So I think it's going to be a matter of, you know, reading about how, you know, when to correctly fertilize and, and this and that. And I think different plants require different fertilization timing. So, um, yeah, um, I did do one little bit of compost tea, but I didn't do it like, you know, wetting it and pouring it over them. I actually crumbled it up and spread it over the bed. I don't think that was the right thing to do, but. Um, I did it. I just was being lazy. I got So being lazy and trying to do all this stuff is kind of funny. Um, so it's like, I'm a highly productive, lazy person or a, a product, a lazy, highly productive person. But, um, uh, so I'm just kind of learning as I go and I'm sure I'll get better as I go, but I did use really good amendments for the garden bed. So that should make some kind of difference. I want to talk about the wicks because I'm kind of making my observations and I haven't quite made a determination yet. I can't tell still if they're working or not. The wick for the blackberry at the south uh, east corner of my shelter doesn't seem to be doing any good because the blackberry was all wilted after a day of not adding supplemental water. But the wicks for the pine, pine trees do seem to be working because I skip waterings at least every other day. And sometimes every, you know, I skip two days and they're all doing fine. So I also have been looking and observing the levels of the wick containers and the bottles around, I think I have gallon jugs. It's, I have a variety of different containers, um, but the the wicks around the trees had gone down to about like the, those containers had gone down to about half of the you know the full amount that I'd poured in there when I'd planted them, and so I refilled them just recently and I uh, put plastic covers over them to stop any you know if it might be evaporation, but I do notice that these this abandoned wick from one of the I think it was a hybrid poplar right next to the pine tree to this to myself that jug of water has remained at the same level for months and the, the tree is dead so it's not wicking um, it might be wicking but it hasn't changed at all it hasn't gone down which really blows my mind because this is a really hot summer desert environment you know with no shade over it but it just hasn't evaporated so i can't explain that i don't really know what the answer is to that but with the pine trees, I have noticed that the the ones that I can observe, at least, are going down. The one that I did first and was in the ground several weeks before these other two got in the ground, the one that's to the uh, to my west, that one I can't observe the level of the water in the jug because it's opaque. But I did peel off the plastic thing once pretty recently and checked, and the water level hadn't really changed. So it's quite confusing to me. And that one, by the way, has the original wick, that I the cord that I used, which doesn't seem to really work. So that's probably what's happening is it's not actually wicking, but then how does the tree stay alive? <laughs> you know, it's it just from my supplemental watering? I don't, that doesn't seem right because it's a freaking tree and it's the hot desert and there's no shade over it. I mean, I, I just don't understand it yet. And then there's the wicks that I did in the bed to the Southwest. And that one Those, those wicks, I can't, I don't really see any change in the water level with those. Those are all the old cord. So I don't think that that's actually wicking. Um, I don't know why that bed is able to handle. I mean, I do water it every day, so that's probably what's going on, but I did skip a day and it looked fine, but that's just one day. So I'm guessing that those wicks are not functioning but it's like, there's a lot of factors to try to figure it out. You know, there's like too many variables to really understand yet what is going on and do wicks work. Um, same thing with the bed that's to the, um, to the Northwest it, I have a wick going right into the center between the two vines and that's it. And that water level is changing, but I don't think I have a plastic cover over that to protect it from evaporation. So, cause the water level doesn't change that rapidly. Um, so, and then when I skipped that day, it, the the squash did start to look a little little bit wilty. So, again, I just have no real kind of concrete. I would I'm not going to say data because that sounds all scientific, and I'm not into science really. Um, I did talk about science within the context of the COVID nineteen scamdemic because. The perpetrators of the fraud were saying, Oh, follow the we follow the science, and it's like, Well, then show us the science, you know, because they never did, they never provided anybody with any science that whatsoever. And all, all the science, the actual science that was uncovered and done by actual scientists, showed very clearly and conclusively that there was never any pandemic at all, and it was just a big hoax. Um, you know, I've, I think I've talked about this before like the same number of people died in 2020, and you can go look that up. It's just data available online, available from the CDC, available from the sense, you know, these these places that, that store this kind of data. It literally is the same as in each of the previous four years. So, you know, how in the world can you say there's a global pandemic and that we've lost 600,000 Americans when the number of Americans who died in the year that they said the pandemic outbroke is the same as in the previous four, each of the previous four years. That's not a pandemic at all. It was like around 30,000 Americans, you know, that had died in in 2020, supposedly from COVID-19, according to their actual published numbers, and not 600,000. They had had just like let the media run with these lies, misreported numbers, And, and they're banking on like, well, we'll have to legally put out the real numbers later, but we'll put it out kind of in a secretive way where you have to really dig to find it. And those people who just watch TV and don't do any research whatsoever, they're just going to go by what CNN told them three months ago. And they're going to continue to be freaked out and go take this Vax, you know, whatever this thing they're calling a Vax. So yeah, anyway, um, <clears throat> wow, that was like a micro tangent, but, um, some of the, that is kind of relevant though, because I've, you know, my you know what the fuck am I doing? Episodes, you know, have gone away. I don't really have those anymore. Hey, hey, hey! But um, you know, just looking at the state of the world, I mean, you know, I think it was Pfizer. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's Pfizer. They just they just published, uh, they released data on court order. Hey, no, it was on court order. They had, they were forced by a court to, to release this data. And, it, and it, it's the most recent release uh, that I have heard of. It was like maybe a week or two ago. And they, it showed conclusively that they had never actually produced the FDA-approved, quote-unquote, vaccine. And they said in a public statement that they don't plan to produce it. <clears throat> so things like that should alarm everyone to their marrow because what that means is that everybody was illegally forced to take an experimental vaccine, which we already knew. I and mean, the digital pa- soldiers and the patriots who have been fighting this fight from the beginning with real information, um, we knew that. But the, but the public now has access to that information because it's been officially released to the public, right? And so, you know, anybody who actually wants to know what they're being forced to inject into their bodies can go find out. Um, that it's, you, you can't legally be forced to do it. I mean, you can't, it's illegal it goes against the law period. So anybody who's lost their job because of that, um, you can go sue and win. And you have now published official, uh, evidence to use to win in court. So go fucking sue those bastards for genocide. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, uh, loss of job. <laughs> <clears throat> so Anyway, it's, my point is I'm still sitting back here in the desert um, off-grid watching this scenario continue to unfold on the global stage. And now, of course, they're, they're you know ex- executing their great reset stages. They're trying to bring out the digital global, you know, World Bank digital currency so that they can not only track everything that you do with your money, but that they can um, turn off your access to your money and empty your bank accounts at will if you don't do what they want. And that sounds like science fiction or 1984 or whatever, but that's exactly what they did in Canada, um, Trudeau's Total Cabal. And that's what they want to do. That's what the Great Reset is. They want total control, global control from a centralized location of the military, the food supply, the monetary supply, the water supply, etc. They want everybody under their thumb. And if you think that that's fake, go read about it. Go do some research, dig until you find it. There's plenty of really good um, digital soldiers out there that are doing this research and publishing this research. You can find it on Substack. You can find it on um, Telegram. You can find it on Truth Social. Those are some great places that I would recommend looking into. Um, And if you're interested in a list of people, I would recommend that you follow because there are a lot of charlatans that are trying to usurp the, the, you know, the real research and their plants and all that stuff. Um you can go to, you can contact me via my website and I'd be happy to provide you with a really good resource list if you want to find this out for yourself and not just listen to me. Um so I've ordered some more uh some replacement trees and those are still not here. The almond and the cherry tree are still not here, so it is concerning. Um I can see the way they arrived dead the last time. So if that happens again, I'm going to just say, I don't think this is going to work. Whatever shipping method you're using is not, you know, it's not working. So I just would get like to get a refund and then go back to the drawing board as far as ordering those varieties from some other source. Um, And uh, speaking of trees, I'm really happy about the burlap I tried. So I was kind of just thinking that the water boxes were enough, but it turns out they're really kind of not out here. I don't really understand why. I'd kind of like to initiate a conversation with the makers to find out. You know, you're saying that these work in deserts. Well, they're not. They're not working for me. The trees are not protected enough. So, you know, what do what do you what have you found, and what do you suggest? And you know, can we talk about this? Like, what are some? You know, am I not doing it right? Like, what's going on? Um, so, but anyway, I just decided to kind of in a desperate mode, like attach, you know, burlap over the trees. And I just did the walnuts. I did the three walnut trees uh, a few days back and that felt really good. I've got, I also just went ahead and just did a bunch of straw mulch over the area around like the mound around the boxes where they say you should mound up the soil around there. And they do say, if you can put rocks around that too, you don't have to, but if you can, you know, do it. So basically that would be be a a water-capturing rock mulch where, you know, the dew hits the rocks and is um, able to actually, you know, filter down into the ground um, and be shaded so that it's not going to evaporate as easily. So you actually are kind of – it's like a little dew harvesting kind of thing. Um, But I didn't have enough rocks to do that, so I just – basically put a good thick straw mulch around all three of the walnut trees around the outside of the boxes. And then I did a burlap for one of them. And I ran out of burlap. So then I did a shade cloth that I had purchased. I used up the rest of that shade cloth, um, up North. I would purchased that months ago to cover my garden when I thought I was going to do my garden in a certain spot that I ended up not using. And so those are now under shade and the, all the three, all three trees were alive. I did a little scratch test. Um, and they are alive, but they had um, two of them had just completely their leaves had died back. And that was the same thing I witnessed with the uh, de- Golden Delicious apple tree. Um, and I'm trying to think of, oh, yeah, it also happened with the sycamore. And so I've also just like desperate, I just wrapped the sycamore and the apple tree with burlap. I actually wrapped the tree, which. I feel like that's not ideal, but they're too tall for me to erect some sort of like shelter over. I don't have the tent pole, you know, for the center. Right. So I was like, well, I tried, but it didn't work. So I just ended up wrapping them and I went and checked the sycamore the other day and it's still alive. So I think I might've saved them in time just by that sort of like last ditch kind of like, Oh, maybe I should do something to support these trees instead of just stick them in a water box in the middle of the desert. (laughs) Um, The pecan never really was going to make it in the first place. Same thing with that plum and that second pear. They just were like on their way to death when I purchased them. Pretty sure that happens. And especially in garden centers, like a true value garden center kind of a situation, they're not really necessarily treated really well. And it probably just lost its will to live those those three and they they died within like almost right after I put them in the ground. So um, I know that it wasn't something that I did because a lot of the trees um, survived just fine for quite a lot longer than that before they started to show the ones that did show signs of um, stress. Now I will say there's an anomaly because the pear that I have kind of closest to my shelter, that one put out new leaves recently. And that blows my mind because that's a really good sign that shows that it's, kind of thriving despite its situation it it did get um disfigured in the car when the um saleswoman at the garden center purported to know what she was talking about and tell me that no she i needed to let her do it her way when she was packing the trees into my van when i told her i would like the butt end the pot closest to the dog closest to the front and she insisted that she do it and it be the pot towards the back which meant that the trees were sticking right where the dog was. And of course the dog decided to destroy and break the branches of several of the trees. So that sucked, but it's a little, it's disfigured because of that, but it's retained its leaves this entire time and now it's putting out new leaves. So my guess about that is that there's, it's the proximity to the cooler temperature under the shelter. It's probably about 10 to 12 feet away I would say it's 12 feet away from the actual shelter. So it's not getting any shade from it, but I don't know why else it would be so healthy. And the same thing with the red bud, it's gotten eaten to shit by the leaf, uh, cutter bees, but it's totally still alive. And it's along that same line. And I talked about this before. So that's amazing. Um, my century plants and my, Yucca that I brought from the century plants I bought at a a flea market here, and the yuccas I got the pups, I think I was talking about this before, from a plant in Altadena. They're all doing really well. There's one though that was the one century plant closest to the road that actually didn't have the correct grading around it and was really suffering. But I think I've probably captured that in time and regraded that so that it's able to hold the water so it can soak in when I do water it and when it rains. So, um, those are all th- doing pretty well. There's a few that aren't doing so well. And again, those are the ones where the grading wasn't really well, really, it, it had either been degraded by people walking under the dog, walking or whatever, someone driving in the area, or it just hadn't really been done as intentionally as it should have been from the beginning. But I've reworked those enough to where they can actually hold the water that I pour on them. <clears throat> and, and when it does finally rain, uh, again again, <laughs> my property, it'll hold that too. So that's really exciting to see just any plant life that I can get, um, added to this landscape is important and establishing that is the trick. So little by little, and what's so exciting is once I get these trees kind of like bigger and bigger, the microclimate around those trees will allow me, you know, I can, I can continue to kind of develop around those trees. So it's like growth by chunking permaculture principle, um, planting perennials and shrubs around and nearby, and that it brings that microclimate even further out. And I can keep spreading from that. Possibly one of the most exciting things is the check dam because there's these grasses that have just been sitting out there in the hot sun for weeks and weeks now with no, no irrigation and no rain, and they're still green and they're still alive. And you know, it, the amount, the capacity of this bentonite to hold water blows my mind. It's the saving grace of this hot, dry environment. Um, you know, literally it, what has it been Two, three weeks since it rained, uh, yeah, at least three. It's three or four weeks since it's rained last on this on this on my parcel. So somehow these grass plants, which grasses usually need water, um, they're just out there like fine, you know. <laughs> I, just, I it's amazing. But um so it, yeah, so just really super exciting that that the soil here it's not good for a lot in the sense that it doesn't have a lot of nutrients, but it holds water. Hey! Stop it! Hey, doggone. duck dog, duck. Dog, dog. um so i'd say that's probably uh everything that i'm going to cover uh mostly just practical matters not a whole lot of spiritual stuff just a lot of observing and maintaining and learning from what i'm trying and what didn't work and trying again not giving up <clears throat> and then just walking through the hurdles you know jumping over those hurdles as they come up i used to run track in high school and the hurdles were one of my you know the 200 and the 100 meter hurdles were uh two of my events and i think i even did a 400 hurdle relay or something but you know just going over them you know and if you fall down you get back up and you keep going and there was a a mom of one of my, I think it was a girl in a grade lower than me who was in track two. And I was in a hundred meter hurdle race and I fell on one of the hurdles and I got, it was kind of one of the hurdles closer to the start line. And I got back up and kept going. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, she congratulated me. And, uh, you know, um, she, she, she complimented me. She was like, you know, that was really great and amazing that you got up and you continued the race. And I was like. To me, in my mind, I was like, well, what else was I supposed to do? Like, you don't just quit and walk off the field because you fell. You just go, you just finish the race. To me, it was a no brainer. It was obvious, but apparently that wasn't obvious um, to her. So that kind of was a neat little lesson that I, it showed me that I had the will to, you know, keep going, <clears throat> even though, you know, I had experienced a setback but that's true. And this mixer is really this current, you know, setback, just looking at this thing and not knowing how to assemble it because the instructions aren't good enough. Um, so that's a challenge, but I'm, you know, I know that I'll be able to get around that in some way or another. It it might be difficult because of the mail out here and trying to return something, you know, in a rural location, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll make it happen. And once that, once I have a mixer up and running, I can coat my seeds and then everything's just like, going to move forward pretty fast, I'd say. So that's about it for me, um, this week. And thank you so much for listening. And like I said, reach out to me. Um, if you want to discuss anything, make any suggestions, if you think I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing, or if you think that I should be doing something I'm not doing, or you have comments or want more information about any of the other kinds of things I talk about on this podcast, um, You can reach me via my website. That's zombiepermaculture.com. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is, um, you know, just zombie permaculture as well. And I think it's you, it's like uh, y-o-u-t-u dot b-e slash zombie permaculture is I think how the URL would be for that YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, and you can, you can reach out to me if you'd like, and, um, I'd love to hear from you, but I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you're proceeding in your projects or moving forward in, in some way that's meaningful to you. And, um, you know, um, I'll talk to you again.